Hey, welcome to Biohacking with Brittany, a podcast focused on holistic health, nutrition, biohacking, and more. I'm your host, Brittany Ford, registered holistic nutritionist and self-proclaimed biohacker. During the last 10 years, I've focused on healing my gut and hormonal issues through lifestyle changes, nutrition, and of course, biohacks. And now I teach others to do the same. I'm so excited you're joining me today. So let's dive right in. Welcome to another episode of Biohacking with Brittany. I am so excited to have you joining me today. We are actually talking about a subject I haven't really touched upon yet on the podcast, which is Ayurveda, Ayurvedic medicine. Um, But it's definitely been something that I have had my eye on and known about for quite a few years now. Um, We have Victor Briere joining us, who is the co-founder of the International Institute of Ayurveda. He is an Ayurvedic doctor and a Kundalini yoga teacher. So Victor, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I look forward to our chat. Yeah, me too. So how did you get started in this Ayurvedic journey? Like, like take us back to the beginning. What does it all look like? I got started on the Ayurvedic journey through yoga, actually. Um, I used yoga to, or actually I, I found a yoga teacher who helped me resolve an issue I was having in my back when I was a young man in college. And um, I gone to a bunch of doctors and they had... Um, left me with the choices of surgery or painkillers. And as a 19-year-old, I didn't want to do that. So um, within a few weeks, a yoga instructor had had me all fixed up. So I grew up in a very normal kind of like mindset around doctors and health. I was born in Los Angeles and it was basically just the mindset of, you know, if you get sick, you go to the doctor, otherwise you're okay. And so that that was my first experience in the healing eastern healing modalities and Mm -hmm. that opened up a big door for me i I said okay so there's a lot more to the body than i think um and i want to explore that so that took me on a whole yogic journey and then the yoga led me to ayurveda because the two are the same cool so for people who have never tried ayurvedic ayurvedic medicine or worked with a practitioner like how do you how do you describe it I describe it as a journey into the roots of why you feel the way you feel and the reason your body is the way it is. So contrary to a lot of popular belief, um, we, we create our health for a lar- to a large extent. That doesn't mean we have complete control over it. I'm not saying that um, we can just wave a wand and that we'll have good health if we want. But the actions we take on a day-to-day basis, the choices we make and the thoughts we have and the emotions we feel and all that on a day-to-day basis over time have a massive impact on our health profile in our life. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of the diseases we suffer, especially today in the modern world, are definitely a result of choices that we're making uh, that can be avoided. What are the typical choices that you're referring to in the modern world that kind of lead to some of these health issues? Well, there are thousands of them and um, they happen on many layers of life. So on kind of just the most obvious layer that everyone will know about and thinks about is food, right? Mm -hmm. So what time I eat, what state I'm in when I eat, uh, what I eat and what I'm doing while I eat 
are all big factors in health. Um, and, you know, typically in the West, we focus on what, the what, what do I eat? If I get the right nutrients, I'll be fine. But that's just one piece of the pie, pun intended. Um, and the other factors are just as important, if not more important. So that's one layer. And then the next layer is the lifestyle choices we make. Are we uh, choosing to live a life that emphasizes restoration and peace? Or are we constantly on the go? Or are we constantly not on the go, meaning, you know, just laying around, not doing much? All those choices combined. And then how we respond to our own emotional states and how threatened we are on a daily basis, how stressed mm -hmm. we get, mm -hmm. all those things, all the way back down to the more spiritual choices we make, what we believe in and why and where that comes from. Um, is that coming from a place of fear or courage? So on and so forth. So all those things are all layered up and having a big effect on our health on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. Mm -hmm. Would you say that one choice or one category of choices is more important than the other? Or do you think they're all kind of the same and all have a big impact? Um, I wouldn't say one's less impactful than another. They all have a big influence. But I think as far as importance goes, Ayurveda is always going to try and get you to the root cause. Mm -hmm. And that root cause is going to be somewhere in the psyche. And when I say psyche, I don't mean psychology. I mean psyche, the original meaning of soul. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So when you work with clients or uh, patients when they come in, is it a lot of like uncovering what's actually kind of going on and what they're actually emotionally dealing with that's just presenting in the body in a specific way? Yeah. I mean, at least there's an attempt at that. A lot of times people mm -hmm. don't want to do that and that's fine. Right. Um, there are, like I said, there are a lot of layers and you can make changes on many layers and they will have an effect. Um, obviously if you change your diet dramatically, that's going to have an effect on your body, regardless of how much you change, um, other layers of your mm -hmm. life. But mm -hmm. if you're looking for healing, like in the true sense of the word and really eliminating root causes, then yeah, we're going to have to go back down to that deeper, those deeper levels and realize that a lot of the behaviors we engage in around food and people and socialization are based on those deeper choices. Mm -hmm. And you can't really change your habits until you get into that deeper level. Classic example is, you know, just, oh, I've tried to give up coffee 500 times and I can't <laughs> because I find myself drinking it again, even though, you know, I know it's bad for me, right? So mm -hmm. a lot of times Ayurveda works backwards in a way. You start with a bad quote unquote habit and you trace it all the way back to its roots. And um, the deeper someone's willing to dive, usually the more successful they are in changing the habit. Right. Is there any like common threads that you see in your patients or clients in terms of, of the root cause or um, things that are associated with the root cause, like an emotion of like fear or uh, things that have happened in your childhood? Like, do you see any type of commonalities? Oh, absolutely. I mean, childhood trauma is uh, one of the main things that drives behavior as adults. So mm. let's just run with the coffee example, right? Um, let's say that, you know, I'm a young person and I have a very demanding family in the sense that I need to get straight A's and I'm just making this up, right? Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, when I'm 14 years old, I'm working really hard and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm stressed out, but I'm 14. So, you know, I don't really understand that. And I get straight A's and then I get the reward of that, which is the uh, attachment and attention and affection and all that stuff. And if that, it kind of just sits in my neurology, that behavior pattern, and I don't really address it or change it, then it just continues on. And so now I get out of college and I go to work and maybe I'm in my mid twenties now and it, the demands are even higher than they were in school. So I need to do all this stuff for my job and I'm pulling all nighters and so on and so forth. And I'm, I'm having a hard time doing it. And so all of a sudden I find this magical substance called coffee <laughs> that enables me to work all night with relatively, with relative ease. And if I give up the, so I get, I get quote unquote addicted to the coffee. So I use it. And over time, another five, 10 years, I start developing health problems based on it, based on its use. I'm fatigued. Um, I'm running too much on my adrenals. I have hyperacidity. I'm developing ulcers, so on and so forth. Right. Mm -hmm. So you go to an Ayurvedic practitioner or doctor or whatnot, and sits down and says, okay, you got to give up the coffee. And it's like, well, no, I need that coffee. Mm-hmm. Well, why? Because I can't work hard enough if I don't have the coffee. And it's like, well, but you're not going to be able to work at all if this gets worse. And it's like, well, I could just go take a Nexium. And it's like, yeah, you could, but then you're just going to develop another disease later, right? Because the pattern never changed. You're just treating a symptom there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so you're telling me I need to give up the coffee. It's like, do I need to give up caffeine? Yes, you need to give up caffeine. That's part of the problem. It's like, I can't. Well, why? Because I need to perform at my job. And it's like, well, why do you feel like you need to do all this super hard work that's untenable for anyone to do? It's like, well, and then you go back and back and back. And it's like, well, when I was 14, you know, my parents wouldn't love me unless I got straight A's. There you go. Right. Unless that, unless the whole schematic around that changes and what is love and what is approval and what are you willing to do to get it? They're not going to drop the coffee habit. I'd like to interrupt this podcast to ask you, how can we go from being burnt out to calm and still highly productive? Oof, what a question. I've definitely asked myself this as an entrepreneur. For me personally, I've been feeling very burnt out lately and overstimulated and so much so that when I take time off and go camping or go off grid, I can't really relax because I'm still thinking about work and still concerned about all of the things that I have to do. Thankfully, though, I can use magnesium to counteract the negative impacts of burnout and stress on my body. I'm currently using Magnesium Breakthrough by BioOptimizers, which is one of my favorite brands, and they've already been on the podcast. And this product combines seven types of magnesium for optimal absorption. This is the most complete magnesium supplement blend available on the market right now. It truly supports taking me from going from burnt out to a state of calm. I recommend everyone take magnesium, all of my clients, because we're all dealing with stress in one way or another. You can use my discount code BiohackingBrittany through the link in my show notes and on my website for 10% off from BioOptimizers. Give it a go and experience how calm and productive you can really feel. One last thing. 
For a limited time, BioOptimizers is also giving away free bottles of their best-selling products, P3OM and Mass Enzymes with select purchases. So definitely check them out through the link in my show notes. I mean, coffee's hard. <laughs> a lot of people love coffee. Um, but I, I think it's probably the same for other things too, like why people drink or why people uh, don't exercise or don't value their health or value fitness, right? I think it's interesting that you tie back to the childhood and deeper things that are going on. And it's it's interesting because a lot of the time people don't want to talk about that stuff, right? Like it's so deep and like personal that they would rather just like keep suffering than to like actually unpack that and and deal with that. Oh, absolutely. That's the hard work of healing and it creates a lot of vulnerability and that's uh, a hard thing to face, you know, because that's where the original wounds are. Mm-hmm. And the original wounds are always so much deeper than the substance that's being used to cover up the wound. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they often deal with love and connection and attachment and authenticity and those types of things. But if someone can get over that initial discomfort and fear of vulnerability, then most of the time they feel a lot better when they explore these things. And they, they come back to themselves in a way that allows them to become much more malleable and much more creative in the way they live their lives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So are there other benefits that you see um, your clients have or that people just benefit from Ayurvedic medicine in general? Yeah, Ayurveda is gonna gonna help you get in touch with the constitution you were born with, mm. um, and that's not the same for everyone. Everyone's born with a unique constitution, even though there are general themes, and that's when the doshas come in in Ayurveda, Vata, Pitta, and Kapha, um, which create your constitution and how you go out of balance. But the the constitution is set and you need to be in balance with your personal constitution and not try and have an image of some ideal form that doesn't match your personal makeup. And so Ayurveda helps you get in touch with what that personal constitution is and then gives you a pathway back to it from an imbalanced state. Is there a certain way um, or easy way to know if you are not balanced with your constitution, like right in this moment? Yeah, definitely. Um, There are a lot of ways to tell. First is if you, technically speaking, if you have any kind of symptom or ailment, you're not in balance. Hmm. So that ranges from minor symptoms to major symptoms. Obviously, major diseases mean you're further out of balance than, you know, having hiccups or something like that. But even like hiccups is a temporary imbalance in your system. And so we we seek to resolve it, right? And yeah, so, but that's the whole foundation of health, according to Ayurveda, is that as long as you could stay as close to your constitutional makeup as possible, then you will be disease free throughout your life. Right. So for most people listening, if they have some sort of symptoms or issue going on, like how do they even get started? Like if they understand, okay, yeah, I'm not balanced. Like how, how can I begin healing? Like through this? Do I have to work with somebody right away? Or is there something I can do that's easier for me? Um, I mean, I'm a big proponent of working with people because we tend to trick ourselves um, just as human beings. You know, it's Mm -hmm. very easy to convince ourselves that something's good for us when it's really not because of all our underpinnings and tripping and trappings and all that. 
Right. Um, I work with someone certainly, and I have an Ayurvedic doctor myself, even though I am one. Um, there's a famous saying that a doctor who has himself as a patient is a fool. <laughs> and so I think that's a very important part of the process. Um, have a neutral set of eyes looking at you and your situation. But of course, there are universal kind of general health things that people can follow. Um, a lot of them are very intuitive and obvious. And we don't follow them because they're not fun um, mm. or they don't serve our deeper patterning, right? So like, for example, um, in general, in the West, we eat way too much animal, way too much meat, like massively mm. way too much. And our diets are hyper acidic um, to the max in general. And so right there, you can cut down on, on those things immediately and be almost positive that you're doing something good for your health. Um, you can always cut down on the tomato, garlic, onions, things like that. Um, eating at the right times is very important. So you never want to really eat too much later than 6 p.m. And that's for a lot of reason's. Um, affects your sleep cycles, circadian rhythm, metabolic processes, so on and so forth. So those are some general things, but, and the list goes on, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I work with clients as well um, as a nutritionist and I find myself recommending the same thing over and over again. And it's, it's just like you said, like it's pretty basic, like it's pretty fundamental things in terms of like not eating junk food and not over consuming. And like you said, like not eating late at night in front of the TV, and like these things that we all know, but for some reason it's not sexy and it's not trendy and people just don't do it. And I like, I like, of course there's like deeper things going on. There's cravings, there's the emotional tie to food, all of these things. But um, again and again, I come back to the foundation of very basic nutrition, like holistic nutrition. Um, and that, that's what works. That's what works for me. I'm sure you find the same thing with your clients. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but I think that's the interesting part is that people don't do it even though they know, right? Mm -hmm. And so Ayurveda identifies that as one of the three primary causes of disease. It's called a crime against wisdom where you know what to do and you don't do it. Hmm. And that in and of itself causes illness in the body, let alone whatever habit you're engaging in. So that's a whole podcast topic in and of itself, but, um, that it's so prevalent that, and there's so much discomfort and suffering when we don't get to indulge our cravings that people would rather just indulge their cravings. Mm. And that suffering is coming largely from the autonomic nervous system and all the hangups in there where we store all our past experiences and traumas. And they're those food habits and patterns and not just food, but behavioral patterns are compensations to help us feel better from things that we don't know how to deal with in our life. Mm -hmm. And that's where the real sickness incubates. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's comfort food. It's comfort eating. It's comfort snacking. It's all of it. Um, and there's so much emotion tied to it. And I was actually going to ask you about that because I know that your institute focuses on the vagus nerve um, and the autonomic nervous system. So why? Why the focus on that specifically? 
Um, because it's it's absolutely essential to someone who's trying to heal to understand what that system is and how it works and why it's such an integral part of our life. I mean, it's built into us. So it's, mm. and we can't live without it. So, and it, it's kind of a shame that it's not taught into us in high school or middle school or whenever we learn about, you know, basic human anatomy. Um, because it's so important and it's been known about for thousands of years. It's not like something new. Um, and so this autonomic nervous system for people who are listening is, is, integrated it's it's your nervous system right so we have our central nervous system our enteric nervous system our autonomic nervous system the autonomic nervous system takes care of a lot of things automatically hence the name so it controls your heart rate and it controls your breath rate and it controls you know a lot of your digestive functions that happen without you thinking of things and all the stuff in the background but one of the most major functions that it has is that it, it's constantly sensing the environment via your sense organs for threat and safety cues. And so your body is constantly aware of what seems safe and what seems threatening. And a lot of that's um, run through the vagus nerve, which is the longest nerve in our body. And it's part of the autonomic nervous system. So mm -hmm. if you're walking down the street and you get scared by something, let's say a dog start jumps out and starts barking at you and burying its teeth, right? Your body is supposed to feel threatened and switch gears and act like it's threatened. And that happens without you thinking about it in a split second and your entire physiology has changed. And you're under stress, but it's the right kind of stress. You need to get away from that dog or neutralize the situation or do something, right? So your heart rate goes up, your breath rate goes up, your adrenaline fires and blood rushes to your extremities so that you can move really quickly. And let's say in your case, you choose the defense mechanism of flight and you run away as fast as you can. And let's say you get away successfully. And then you take a deep breath and your body starts to calm down and your, your system regulates itself back to a calm state. Well, that's good. And it was okay that you went into that stress state for a few minutes. The problem that we have is that we'll enter a stress state for days, months, years, even. Mm -hmm. And it's all based on perceived stresses and perceived threats that may not even be real. Right. And we live in these states, and these are what's based on our past traumas and negative experiences and experiences of isolation and loneliness and pain and suffering. Is that if let's just say that, you know, my, um, my, I'll use me for an example, and I'm making this up, right? Let's say that my mom, whenever um, I did something wrong, my mom would give me a certain look, and I knew I was in trouble. And as a, as a young boy, I need my mom. It's not a choice. She's necessary for survival. And so my vagus nerve sends a signal to my body, my entire, all my vital organs, everything, and says, we're in trouble. We're, this is a threat. I need to reestablish connection so that I'm safe. I'm in threat right now. And so I do all these behaviors and try and get on the good graces of my mom again. So let's say I do that a thousand times. That's now well encoded into my nervous system. Flash forward 25 years and I'm walking down the street and I, um, let's not even use that. 
I come home and I'm married and my wife has a similar look on her face. Mm. And she's not even thinking about me. It has nothing to do with me, right? But oh my God, does my autonomic nervous system remember that look? And boom, within a second, my physiology has changed. I feel threatened, you know, my digestion weakens. Um, I start breathing a little bit faster. My heart rate elevates just a little bit. I start thinking of things I could say to make the situation better. I'm getting anxious. I start projecting fear into what could happen. Is she going to leave me? Does she not let whatever it is, right? Or maybe I chose to respond differently in my youth and I became angry to resolve the situation. So now all of a sudden I put on a bad mood, right? All these adaptations and defense mechanisms are all affecting the vital parts of my health profile and how I go about living my life and in what state I'm in. And it's all based on perception. And so for that reason, it's so critically important to understand how our autonomic nervous system works, how to catch ourselves when there's no real threat present and how to create an environment that's conducive for the healthy functioning of our autonomic nervous system. If we don't do that, it doesn't matter what B12, omega, whatever vitamin we take. Mm -hmm. it, it will not help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's so interesting that you mentioned like perceived threats, right? And I don't know when I, when I first heard this, but um, you can start like framing things that happen to you like the story I'm telling myself is. So instead of like, oh, this person – you know, doesn't like me or this is happening at work, I must be performing badly. It's like, no, the story I'm telling myself is that I am performing badly, which doesn't necessarily mean it's true. So I think it's so interesting that there's like, it, everything goes through our filters, right? Like everything that we've been through in life and then we interpret it a certain way. And it's very easy to have like a stress response and a negative response, honestly, um, and then deal with the health impacts of that, which is, which is, which just sucks. <laughs> and I don't know what the easy solution is unless you work with a, work with a professional. Yeah. I mean, the self-awareness is step one and it's huge. And so, you know, and, and not just the health consequences of the event of the stress, but all the things that follow that we do to get ourselves back into a sense of feeling okay. So go back to that husband who walks in the door and sees that look on his wife's face, it has nothing to do with him, but he perceives it does, gets in a bad mood, walks out the doors, feeling disconnected, feeling detached, feeling alone, right? And so he calls up his buddy and goes to the bar and has five beers. <laughs> and then he feels better. Yep. Right, for the day. For the day. But that's <laughs> not dealing with the cause. Yeah. That's not dealing with the cause or even close to the cause. And of course it, it has a snowball effect because now, you know, that's going to create a relationship, whatever, whatever the thing is, there are 20 million variations of the same problem. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's all, it all, when you dig down to it, it comes back to all those things. And, and, you know, it's always my wish that people will kind of get in the game with that with themselves and start learning that, okay, if I want to be a healthy person, then, um, I need to start dealing with this stuff. And if I don't want to be a healthy person, then you should start asking why you don't want to be a healthy person. Yeah. 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 So is the first step then, like for someone listening to this and being like, oh, wow, like I didn't know that there was that much behind all of my decisions and like my reactions. 
is like the first step just beginning to question yourself and increasing your self-awareness? Yeah, that's step one. And and a lot of people like to do this thing. I don't know. I'm in California. I don't, maybe it's, it's uh, all throughout the United States or maybe it's just here. But um, a lot of time I hear this kind of thing where it's like, well, you know, I decide to do all my bad habits, but I'm aware of them. It's like, well, okay, awareness is good and it's step one, but there are a lot of steps after that. And uh, we don't want to, we don't want to settle for just awareness of our issues. I'd love to quickly interrupt this podcast to ask you, do you know your biological age? Do you know your current hormone, vitamin and mineral levels? Honestly, it's hard to know what's going on internally without getting tested. And traditionally, you'd have to go through your doctor or your healthcare provider to order these tests, go into a lab, and it would be a whole ordeal. Um, and it would, it would take a while as well. For me personally, this has always been a hurdle for understanding what is actually going on and how to optimize my biomarkers and even know my biological age in the first place. Thankfully, though, we can order a at-home test from Inside Tracker that lets us do this. It tests for your biological age, your hormone, mineral, and vitamin levels. This is a very, very comprehensive test that lets you get a ton of data from a single kit without having to go to a doctor or go to a lab or really leave your house. If you're looking for the ultimate blood test, try Inside Tracker, which includes testing 43 different biomarkers and the option to test your inner age and your DNA. You can use my discount code BiohackingBritney for 25% off all of their products, and you can go through there uh, through the link in my show notes or my website and get tested today. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, it's easy to settle right? And to just kind of ignore it. But like like you said, like ultimate healing and really optimal health requires a lot of work and a lot of thought behind it and, and consistency too. Um, it's not a quick fix, right? Like it, it takes time and takes years, I think, for some people as well. Absolutely. But it's, it's the only fix that's ultimately gratifying. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else kind of leaves you wanting and kind of you're still on the treadmill. Um, I mean, so many of the listeners I'm sure have, are fed up with hopping from one prescription medication to another. Right. Um, and, but it's, it's because those largely those prescription medications are just band-aids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have, um, any patients who come in who are dealing with fertility issues at all? Oh yeah. Very common all the time, men mm-hmm. and women. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Is there a common constitution imbalance that is associated with that? Um, There are quite a few. So one thing is general toxicity levels in the system, Mm. um, which, you know, of course, if you go to an Ayurvedic doctor or practitioner, they're going to almost always immediately start addressing the cleanliness of your system, Um, the GI tract specifically. It's crucial. Um, But, you know, a lot of fertility problems go right down to the health of the relationship between the two people. Hmm. Um, and the cycle, I mean, the, a woman's, well, both a man and woman's, but a woman's reproductive organs are extremely sensitive, um, and very sophisticated and they're very tuned into what's going on in the environment via the vagus nerve, actually. 
And so relational stresses have a big impact on fertility issues. Yeah, that's interesting. (laughs) Of course, obviously, with relationship issues in place, women or part couples get pregnant all the time. So it's just one factor. I don't mean to say it's everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But if there are fertility issues, that's definitely one layer you want to look at in addition to eating healthy, sleeping healthy, so on and so forth. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting because like I'm, I'm not trying to get pregnant myself, but I've had just issues with my cycle in the past. Um, and it's something I talk a lot about. So it's very cool when people come on the podcast and have such a different take on it and kind of have experience with seeing it in their clinic as well. And, and kind of the commonalities around it, because like I'm sure as you're very much aware, like infertility in general, like both males and females is increasing and is, is a problem. Um, and yeah, which is just crazy that that's increasing. I, I forget what the stat is now. I think, is it one in eight couples that are going to struggle with uh, reproducing? I'm not sure about the stat, but I, I know it's increasing. Um, and there are a lot of reasons for that. I mean, we're, as a culture, I hate to say it, but in general, we're getting less and less healthy. Um, yeah. We think that we can manage things with supplements and <laughs> and stuff like that. And that is just not how the body works. I mean, I'm happy to talk about it like till we're sick in the face but or blue mm. in the face, I guess is a saying. But I just wish people would kind of believe me on that one. Um, this like nutritional profiling is just not the way that the body operates. Um, it needs so much more than that. And the more our culture ignores all that, the worse we see everyone's health getting. Right. So where do you think Ayurvedic medicine is going in the future? I think it's, it's going into a place where it has to really hold its ground. Um, mm. Because with the advance of incredible technologies that are incredible, you still can't substitute for just the basics. Um, I don't care how advanced your MRI screening mechanism is. It's not going to heal you. It might be able to diagnose you, but it's not going to heal you. Hmm. And what people need is healing, not diagnoses. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just so different from how so many people view health and healthcare, right? Like it's, yeah, it's, it's so different. Like, and yeah, like when I started on my own health journey, it was kind of like dipping my toe in the water and like looking at nutrition and then, you know, starting looking at, looking at more and more. And I think that's what a lot of people do. And then they end up going to like an Ayurvedic practitioner, which is very cool. But for so many people, they have no idea about it. And it kind of just goes right over their head. They don't understand it or they don't believe in it even, right? And and it's cool that it's increasing though. And it's cool that it's becoming more popular because I think it's really needed. Yeah. And, you know, the um, the a lot of people, you know, yoga got popular long before Ayurveda. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people started experiencing a lot of health benefits from practicing yoga. Um, and even though that's not the ultimate goal of the science of yoga, it's still a wonderful part of it. Um, and I hope that that's what happens with Ayurveda is people realize it's like, oh, you know, this is very accessible and a lot of it's very intuitive, not all of it, but a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, it just kind of gets you down to your core. Mm 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. So if people want to connect with you or take a look at the school that you run, um, how, where can they find you and how can they do that? Uh, you can find me at iiayurveda.com. That's short for International Institute of Ayurveda. And you can always email me at reception at iiayurveda.com. Um, like Brittany mentioned, we're launching our school in early 2022. So that's for professional Ayurvedic training. And we also have an Ayurvedic life coach program for people who want to learn coaching techniques, but also want to bring a little bit of Ayurveda into it. And, um, you know, I like to offer anyone who listens to these podcasts, if you want to hop on Zoom with me, I can assess your Ayurvedic constitution. Uh, we talk for 15 minutes and I can answer some of your questions. And that's always better than taking those online quizzes for the Ayurvedic constitution. <laughs> yeah. Those quizzes will give you the wrong answers. So please avoid them. <laughs> oh my uh, goodness. Yeah. So that's, that's my offer and please take me up on it. Awesome. Well, I will definitely link that in the show notes and thank you for taking the time to come on. This was really cool. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. As always, feel free to screenshot this episode and tag me if you'd like me to respond. I really hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. If you have a question about your health, my DMs are always open and I'm currently taking new clients. Thanks and see you next time.